Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. I want you to show me the way. Hey, Douglas, how are you? I don't even know how I feel anymore, man. Who are you? I, I have not. We? What are we who, doing? <laughs> what, what planet is this? Um, how, how's it going, man? I have not seen you literally in person for, <laughs> I think, three weeks. Uh... And, we, and just to so listeners understand this, we work in the same office. Yeah, in theory. Um... Yeah, I think Ian, Ian and I, our, our fearless, fearless leader, we're having a conversation yesterday where we're like, pretty sure neither of us know exactly what city Daniel's in right now, but it'd be really rude to ask on the back end of like a two-week stretch. Um, so things have been going swimmingly uh, while you've been away. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> Glad to know that. It's, uh, we've, we've devolved into two clans. Each has okay. its own color. Uh, and its own god, and we just fight for the uh, fight for the Wi-Fi each day. Which which god is the many-faced god? Because that's the one that I want to uh, align myself with. Well, uh, neither neither group really washes that much. Oh, that's too uh, bad. So I think the many-faced god is sitting this one out. All right, but as well, we as we all know, the many-faced god plays a role. Yes. Hashtag not spoilers. Seen, not yeah. heard. I felt um, so. Yeah, I've been in. I was in San Francisco for uh, for Microsoft Build. Then mm, I yeah. I came back. Then I uh, went to New York for uh, LG. Um, sorry, no, I was in New York for LG. Then I went to Build. Then I came back for a few days. Then I went to New York again for Asus, the Zenfone Two, which we'll talk about later. Uh, and then I I just got back yesterday from Ottawa where I uh, received an award for something. I can't, you, I can't really understand what. Do you happen to have the award on hand that you could show to our faithful? I, I can. Um, this was not rehearsed. This was not, this was not planned. This is, this is my uh, national uh, uh, Dan- Daniel Bader Award for Innovation uh, for in Excellence res- in Science and Technology Reporting. So... Uh, the Cata Alliance, which is a trade publication slash organization, uh, they awarded this to me, and I am I'm very honored and sort of perplexed. But it was a really nice evening. I attended with my mom, which was very cool, and uh, <laughs> we um, we all schmoozed. And I I got to meet John Ruffalo, who you very. Uh, have been following very well, uh, very closely because he um, also won an award for technology innovation uh, from an executive 
for investing and, in like every successful Canadian company that exists right now. So yeah, give us a little bit of a before we dive into the pod. Let's give a, a bit of a shout out slash overview about uh, of John Ruffalo. Yeah, so uh, he he is the dude at uh, Omer's Ventures, which is uh, the the I guess prestigious uh, venture capital arm in Canada. They've invested in like companies. I'm gonna I'm gonna miss some, but just like name any. If you are a non startupy person and just kind of know Canadian tech companies, they probably invested in them. Uh, I'm thinking like Hootsuite, Shopify, uh, Shopify being the big one, just because they they IPO this week for uh, a junk ton of money and are now worth just under two billion US. Um, he's also someone that we've uh, interviewed on uh, BNN's The Disruptors, the TV show that uh, Beta Kit, the kit, is associated with. And uh, I think he's been uh, the most Canadian uh, US styled VC in the capacity to take big swings on successful companies and really push forward. Um, uh, a mandate of, of of success and like you know trying to build global Canadian companies rather than funding towards acquisitions or exits. If that makes right. sense. So yeah, he's he's a he's a cool dude. Very candid. Um, for everything I've known, like really just polite and engaging. Really really cool. Like what was it? You know, in person, what was that like? He was very approachable. Uh, I didn't get to speak with him very long because he had just got got off a plane from New York mm-hmm. after the uh, New York Stock Exchange because the. Shopify debuted on the NYSE and the TSX or the TS, uh, TMX, um, which I guess is it TSX these it, days. It's, it's the TSX, but TMX runs it. Right. Okay. TMX, so yeah, uh, it debuted there. Um, it raised what, what? What did it? It got a sixty percent boost in in New York and a hundred and a ninety percent boost in. Toronto, or am I conflating the two? I, I can't remember. Uh, no, we reported, I think it was like, their high was like 66 in the New York Stock Exchange, and like, I think 56 on the the TSX. Um, that I think that quieted by the end of day of trading. Oh, yeah, but, okay. But but by end of day, they were worth 1.9 billion US dollars. Um, after selling their shares, so selling 7.7 million shares yeah. at $17, which was higher than their... You know, I think they were going for twelve and fourteen, and then the report was fourteen to sixteen, and then it was seventeen. So they they made a, a healthy chunk of change uh, uh, off the sale sell of shares to the underwriters, and then the underwriters made a healthy chunk of <laughs> change off the stock exploding. So um, it seems that, like so- um, there's a little bit of a sort of an inside baseball type of thing here, where a lot of people knew it was happening. A lot of the um, the registered investors bought up most of those shares, those outstanding shares, uh, and then sold them to, I guess, regular investors on day one, right, for a, a bit of a profit. Yeah, that, that's the, that's the kind of the basic process of IPO, as I understand it. And we're actually working with the the wonderful gentlemen and ladies at the TMX to do kind of a feature on BetaKit to explain because this is. You guys know me. I like talking about phones. I like talking about things that happened in the '90s. I don't know anything about finance. My God. Yeah. Um, so they, they've been helping us out. But the, the basic process is, is I, and I think the Shopify IPO is a really good example um, of kind of a, a very typical well-run IPO in terms of the process where um, it's a company that's growing quite a bit, very successful, intentionally not profitable, 
um, to not only fuel the growth, but then when they kick in profitability, they're, they can demonstrate you know, value to shareholders. Um, they kind of undersell where they're going to be to drive up demand right before the IPO um, so that when, when those shares are sold, everyone can make their money. So it, it is a very kind of, um, what did you call it, inside baseball. The whole, the whole process is one of affectation to, so that everyone can, can make cash off of it. Um, and then, for, you know, for the, for the mobile syrup kind of crew listening, uh, the last IPO that they're all probably generally aware of would have been Facebook's, which, which did not go as easily as this did. Now, well, Twitter as well. Yeah, okay. I think, Twitter I think, was later. Twitter went, Twitter went better than yes. Facebook's, is from yes. what I understand. So just to give you sort of a background a little bit, I mean, before we move on, Omer's is not just a private equity company. They own major investments in, uh, let me just list a couple, Microsoft, Talisman Energy. They own 3.5 million Microsoft shares. Mm-hmm. Uh, they own... A bunch. They own Tesco, like twenty-three million, eighty eighty million dollars worth of Tesco, which is a big uh, UK-based uh, grocery chain. Um, General Motors. They own one point seven million shares. Barclays, another big bank in in uh, the UK. They own a chunk of Life Labs. Have you ever gotten your your blood taken in in Canada? Life like they have a very wide range of of investments. Uh, so it's not just the um, private equity uh, arm of the company that does good things. But, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I digress. So let's, um, let's, let's sort of keep on that, that topic. Uh, moving on to uh, sort of the CRTC carrier relationship and starting on June third. Yeah, you were 3rd, in Ottawa. Did you did you did you, uh, did you smooth with any like you know CRTC people at the uh, what is it the milestones yeah. right on uh, Rideau and uh, what is it Albert? Uh, no, I didn't. Um, I didn't. Where they love to go. It's right I, by I didn't. I, I believe the CRTC's main offices aren't they in Gatineau, or am I just completely off there? It's just uh, over I the should, bridge, man. I should probably know that. Anyway. Recently, uh, the carriers lost a federal appeal court bid to stay the June 3rd deadline for the Wireless Code of Conduct's application across all of uh, Canadians, regardless of where they are in their contracts. So basically what happens on June 3rd is that if you signed a three-year contract uh, between June 3rd of 2012 and I believe June of 2013, um, which is when the carriers started coming out with their two-year contracts, you will automatically be able to leave your contract without paying a cancellation fee. So it's not banning three-year contracts. What the Wireless Code of Conduct mandates is that you have to be able to pay off your phone within two years. So even if you haven't paid off your phone as of June 3rd because you signed a three-year contract before the application of these two-year contracts, you are still going to be allowed legally to leave your contract without paying a penalty, which allows... So what a lot of the industry analysts are calling a double cohort, it's allowing people to look around, see if if there's better priced plans out there, Mm -hmm. better options, and... It's kind of just a mulligan. 
yeah, take stock of the industry as it stands today, which is a very different industry, both from a customer service and pricing perspective, as it was three years ago, or yeah. even even two years ago. Yeah. Um, so we've gotten a lot of questions about this, a lot of people very curious about how they can use this to their advantage. Now, there are a few things to take note of here. First, most plans today are not cheaper than they were three years ago. Like, that is just a given. But what you get in your plan is more stuff. So you're getting a bigger bundle of stuff along with that higher price. Yes. Uh, that so being said... if you said, have any interest in stuff... A lot of it isn't it. interesting because a lot of it is voice and texting, right? Yes. Or with companies like Rogers and Fido, you get free show me for two years or you get a year of uh, NHL Game Center Live if you sign up for their share everything plan. Or on Fido, if you sh sign up for one of their Pulse plans, you get two years of Spotify and uh, a year of Daily Vice. Yeah, so this is actually really interesting because like, I just went through this process of, you know, Anyone who's ever heard this podcast before or, you know, been within 20 yards of me talking has probably heard me say that I was going to, you know, probably ride and die with my 2011 Rogers plan until, you know, the, the Ice Age, like the next apocalypse, just because it was get, never going to get any better um, in terms of pricing for the specific things that I wanted. And then the reality hit where that, the, the stuff I needed more stuff. I needed some sort of, uh, nationwide calling, um, that was not tied into evenings and weekends so that I could, uh, effectively be a managing editor of a website and not pay $150 in overages yeah. every month. Um, so Which is technically I, legal now. Uh, with the wireless code, but I, you know, uh, no, it wasn't because the wireless code only applied to contracts after the wireless code changed, so they were still dinging me. Oh, sorry, yeah, of course. What am I saying? Also, you can go over the fifty-dollar domestic uh, overage as long as you opt into that. So, carry on. Yeah. So, so the, I think the thing here is just with this this idea is that with modern contracts, um, you're. I think the mentality might be one to look for what is the what is the cheapest most basic plan that you can get like the most stripped down old school style plan or evaluate the stuff the little uh, tra uh, trappings that are out there and see which uh, stuff plan might actually fit kind of where you're at and what you want to do like are you the type of person that might actually really want two free years of show me. Or, mm. or things like that. Like, is there, you know, the thing that made me change was, like, I just needed actually uh, a better phone, uh, I guess, rates or a better phone category to my plan. Um, and that, that finally pushed me over. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, I also did this switch recently to... Ooh, uh, real talk. To, yeah. To a share everything plan. And it was because I'm... So, a lot of people uh, are, are going to... Uh, tell me, oh, you should just get a local sim, and I and I do. But share everything comes with Rome like home, and for all of Roger's faults, Rome like home is one of the most brilliant, not only marketing plays mm -hmm. that they've made in recent years, but one of the most brilliant tie-ins uh, of any carrier in recent years. You pay five dollars a day in the U.S. to access your. Um, 
unlimited calling, texting, and uh, whatever mm -hmm. data pool you have associated with your account. For me, I sign up for a six gig plan, which is what I had before. And what I was doing was I was finding that I, I had to go between two devices. I had to use their 50 megabyte, $7.50 data, data plan while I was in the States with my regular number. But because it didn't have any free, vo any in included voice or, or text, I didn't want to text anybody while I was in the States or make any phone calls. Um, and I would use a Rome mobility number, but the service in, in areas where I go, like New York or San Francisco, was just lower than it was on AT&T. So that was one, one area. Uh, the other was that uh, when I'm in the States, I want to be accessible the same way I am here. Yeah, because, because I'm oftentimes always you're there calls. to do your your job, right? Like I'm you always need to there to do my job. More accessible, right? Like yeah, yeah. We're we're not like going down to Mexico for like a four day weekend or something, or like you know, it's, there's no there's no enjoyment here when we travel. It's no. just more stress <laughs> stacked upon life. Um, yeah, this uh, this job doesn't doesn't allow for any Mexican vacations, but what it does allow for uh, is sort of an evaluation of what works for us and. I've quickly realized that as, you know, uh, an editor of a site, I have to be accessible to everybody <laughs> who works for me. Is that Ronnie? Yeah, yeah? so... Um, Explain what's happening right now, because people may not, be may not be watching. Let's take a step back for a moment. Uh, I, we, I pod from home. We home pod, because uh, as listeners know, we can't figure out a live pod audio setup, because we just don't have the gear. Um, yesterday, uh, the building next to mine, uh, kind of caught fire and burned and it was a terrible scenario, uh, which required me to, um, you know, being the, the life-saving guy that I am, toss my cats into a carrying case and prepare to <laughs> vacate my building should it also happen to catch on fire. Um, that has created a household scenario where everyone hates each other. Oh, no. uh, so uh, Ronnie and Chester, uh, normally very uh, chill bro cats, um, are kind of going through uh, a, w a weird scenario right now while we're trying to pod. Okay. All right. Well, t you know, if if you need to go off and, and administer to some some lithium to some cats, just let me know. I'll take over. <laughs> oh, oh they, they know we're they know we're recording. They're they're doing this for for sure. Okay. They just want attention. They want they want to get paid scale. Okay, sure. got it. Okay, well, you know, if they unionize, then we just uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just take measures. And they're upset that you travel so much, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm upset I travel so much. Um, so, what this what what this did was it it forced me into okay. I was paying way too much in roaming fees. Uh, Roam like home made more sense than something like Roamability, which I also use as a secondary source of data. But because Roam Mobility gives you a U.S. number, it was only really useful calling other U.S. numbers. Mm -hmm. I couldn't give that number to my friends and family and ask them to call me because many of them don't have U.S. calling. Well, just, uh, yeah, but just even that idea of like you know, before you go broadcasting out the number change um, or also depending on certain apps like WhatsApp that are, are tied to phone number, making those switches, like I, that's always been... Like, I think the data thing that you're saying is compelling, but there's also just the simplicity and the ease of, like, you, you just text Rogers and you say, like, hey, let's do this. I'm flying to, to New York City, and then it's just on, right? Well, no, you don't even text them. You, you opt in once, and whenever you go down there, you're now 
you just get oh so it, it auto knows that you're there and just says enabled Bloop. well yeah i mean once okay. you sign up for a share everything plan the first time you go down to the states you have to opt in by sending a text message okay and then every other time i believe it it re um subscribes every six months so it'll ask you the next time you go after a six month period hey do you want to keep using roam like home and you text them back and you say yeah or no and then okay cool i thought on. i thought every time that you went down you had to text enable it but that's that's even no. that's even more simplistic then yeah and i mean five bucks a day um it really like while i was there it it made so much sense you know i was able to tether i was able to do everything i would otherwise do here um and at&t i mean for all of its faults actually has a far stronger network than t-mobile um and in areas like in parts of new york where t-mobile's network is actually stronger it will switch over to t-mobile so i found myself using you know a phone that had two very strong networks whereas as far as I know, Roamability does not offer AT&T LTE roaming yet uh, in the States. It only offers T-Mobile LTE, yeah. which works in some areas, but most likely will not be as strong as, as AT&T uh, in, in parts of the country. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, did, I made the switch, and it's, it's super simple. Uh, it is a bit more expensive, but uh, this sort of transitions into the second part of the argument, which is unlocked phones, right? So if you bring your own, if you bring your own phone to a plan today on Rogers Bell and Telus, you get twenty dollars off, right? On Fido, Kudo, and uh, Virgin, you get fifteen dollars off. And what that allows you to do is say, okay, well, are there any phones that give me that cost less than on the Flanker brands three hundred and sixty dollars, which is the amount that you save over two years? or on the bigger brands, $480. Are there phones that cost less? Yes, I'll buy those and then I'll bring them over and I'll save a bit of money that way. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of people have also been talking about whether that's a good idea. Are there any unlocked phones that cost less than $350 that actually makes sense to buy over you know, a, an iPhone or a Galaxy on contract? Now you've had this experience before because you've had phones that have broken, um, where you know you've had to go to an unlocked phone and sort of maneuver that way. Well, not even just like so. I was also operating a multi-plan uh, situation, so I was getting um, trying to like always play the new contract for a phone um, or bring a phone into a scenario where I wasn't forced to update a contract. Like, hey, I got I got this new phone because a lot of the, a lot of the times if you, if you can if you can secure the unlocked phone the care and and the sim works the carrier doesn't really know what's going on right like if you, the more the more that you can do yourselves without having to call in the the better off you are um but but so that's a good thing like you, you know we've talked before uh about what is the the mental process of choosing kind of where you want to be and is it is it carrier first is it phone first is it plan and needs and i think right now there's this the the scenario is that, that there's a few options for people depending upon how they want to go through it like it's not just like well you need to choose your carrier first because they're going to dictate everything there there's there's enough going on that you can if you want to put the the energy and effort into it um kind of finagle your own best case scenario right yeah and I, that's actually a really good point how do you how do people buy phones today right do you go uh to i mean especially in a 
in a Canadian market where exclusives are dwindling, right? So you mm-hmm. only have a few devices that are uh, on only one or only two carriers. I mean, I can think of maybe three or four, like uh, the Moto X was a TELUS exclusive for a while until it came to Fido um, and I believe Wind and Sasktel or MTS. Mm-hmm. I, I may be forgetting, but for a while it was on just on on uh, TELUS and the first gen version was on Rogers exclusively until it came to Fido for, uh, you know. Um, there was the Sony Xperia Z3 Compact, which I think is a great phone. That was an exclusive to Bell. But those are very uncommon these days. I mean, the biggest devices like the iPhone, the Galaxy S6, the HTC One M9, those all come to every carrier, right? And then you have devices like the Asus Zenfone 2, uh, the Alcatel OneTouch Idle 3 that's coming later this summer, and uh, the Moto the Moto G and Moto E that are sold unlocked at you know, retailers like Staples or NCIX or Canada Computers. Mm-hmm. And those are, are really great phones that cost often under $300, sometimes under $200. And as long as you know the virtues and deficiencies of these devices, you can kind of get away with buying one. Yes. It's the expectation game. It's not the... where I think, you know... Most times people kind of go into this with like, well, if I'm going to sign up for a three-year contract, I better be getting the best possible phone I can. Or like, how does this kind of relate? Whereas now it's like, yeah, you can get, you can get like an amazing kind of like mid-tier, I wouldn't say specialty phone, but maybe a phone with its own unique strengths um, at at a really great price point. Well, I I think more... Yeah, like, like that's absolutely right. Like the the quality of low cost phones has improved dramatically over the last couple of years. But more moreover, there's been a push by the carriers to separate, and I think this is due to the fact that they have to, at some point, acknowledge that phones are actually expensive. A lot of the time, they hid the cost of the phone in the plan. For a three-year contract, you can do that because it amortizes over 36 months. Yeah. But now that you only have 24 months to get to zero dollars, the carriers have to face the music and say, okay, we're, we're no longer actually subsidizing the phone. I mean, on, on Rogers, Bell, and Telus, they are, to some extent, subsidizing it. But for their flanker brands, they're not even doing that anymore. They're yeah. financing it. They're basically saying, okay, you buy the phone. It's a $700 phone. We will finance $360 of it, but not to give you as a as a gift but will actually allow you to pay that over 24 months in equal mm-hmm. installments so um if you're buying a 700 dollars phone you only spend whatever 240 dollars or 300 whatever the fucking math is sorry and uh <laughs> i uh you know and then you then you pay off 15 dollars a month over 24 months and that pays back the cost of the phone that's it that's all you really have to feel that's all all you really have to figure out these days um, and it makes a lot more sense. It's a lot simpler. But on the other hand, you're paying a lot more for your phone up front as a result. Yeah, but so that expectation, though, like wasn't just like, oh, there's no way we can make this money back in uh, the two-year contract format. We have to change this up. It was also the reason why people hated carriers so much when there was three-year contracts is because what they were paying for and what they were getting were so hidden that they felt that they were really getting gouged. Those those uh, cancellation fees, 
that you're talking about that the the kind of like cancellation shock rather than sticker mm-hmm. shock um yeah. i think has led to you know people are kind of aware of how much an iphone actually costs now which i think i think is good for uh carrier perception and, and churn because they're it's not like they're being blamed for the this the business of how this stuff kind of works yeah and that's actually a really interesting point um you know i i have a lot of issues with how data charges scale but that's separate so i'll get to that in a second but you're you're right in the sense that the transparency around carry about around plan and phone pricing has led to a a, a more educated customer base Mm-hmm. Right. So when they approach an iPhone six and they say, well, it costs three hundred and fifty dollars on a two year contract. Why does it cost so much? Then, you know, the the CSR at Rogers Bell or Telus is like, well, because it's a nine hundred and fifty dollar phone. Yeah. Or if an eight hundred and fifty dollar phone and we're giving you five hundred dollars off, which you're paying off over two years. Yeah, you know, if you, well, and if you know, you wanna... having ha- having Apple sell the phones direct totally changes it because there's you can't hide the cost in that scenario, right? Yeah, but also the carriers have integrated a bring your own device strategy into their marketing. Yeah. So unlike three four years ago, where you never heard about unlocked phones, today they're encouraging you to bring your unlocked phone thanks to the success of devices like the Nexus 4, the Nexus 5, the OnePlus One, the Moto G, you know, all of these devices have alternative distribution models where you can buy them easily and say, and call up your carrier and say, yo carrier, I have a phone now. What can you do for me? They're like, well, I can actually give you $25, $20 off every month. Yeah, and they're happy to do that because you know the I think the what people need to all to further that education. Carriers aren't in the phone selling business. They hate that part. They're in they're in the phone plan business. Like if they didn't have to deal with the inventory of selling phones, uh, they would gladly not do that. Um, so so for them, this just really saves hassle, and they can focus on doing what they actually want to do and what they're they're built for, which is providing service and charging for it and profiting right. from that um, everything else is just a kind of a requirement for that to happen yeah necessary and, hassle i mean that's a that's a really good point because a lot of people accuse the carriers of overcharging for the phones themselves but the carriers if you actually delve into their uh their quarterly earnings reports they say that they make no money from the hardware like Mm -hmm. nothing they make revenue from the hardware but in many in many cases they lose money because they're paying so much up front for these for these products especially as samsung and apple make up a higher percentage of their sales and those flagship devices they have very low margins because samsung and apple say you want the phone? We're going to charge you whatever the hell we want for it, especially Apple. They say, we'll charge you whatever we want, and you're just going to have to deal with it. And if you want, then you can increase prices uh, yeah. on, the, or, on the plans. Or, you know, other examples where it's like, uh, because Apple has it just kind of like one tier of phone. It's like the premier tier of various ages. But when you look at some of the other carriers where we're like, well, if you want our really good phone that your customers actually want, you're also going to have to buy our other phones. 
which you're probably right. not going to sell unless you get really inventive with deals or incentives to your sales teams. So they push that device. Like it's a lot of, you know, we we're stuck with this inventory. What do we do with it? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, a lot of the times the carriers will be able to sell it back to the, uh, to the OEM if it doesn't sell. But the proviso is that, um, you want to stock our flagship, you have to stock our mid-range and two of our low ends, and we'll, we're going to give you sales targets. We'll help you with the marketing, but if you don't mm-hmm. reach those sales targets, then we're going to have to renegotiate our deals next time. And that leads to to um, a lot of Pink uh, phones. Cu- customer service representatives going, hey, uh, like I know you're looking at the Galaxy S6, but you want a, you want a $0 phone? Or you want a, you want a Galaxy that's, that doesn't cost you anything? I've got a piece of crap to show you, yeah. and and they push those like Galaxy Ace, Are you Galaxy. Active? <laughs> yeah, it's like, do you um, do you ever move? Well, this yeah. phone has a GPS and an accelerometer, so you know if I'm just looking at Kudos, uh, you know, phone lineup, and they have Ooh. things like like the the HTC One M9, that costs four hundred dollars, right? Like that is a phone mm-hmm. up front. You have to pay four hundred dollars. The Galaxy S Six, four hundred dollars. Whereas devices like the Nexus 5, the Moto E, the Galaxy S3, which they're still selling three years later, is $0, right? So these are phones that probably still sell very well for the carrier. Mm-hmm. And guys like us are like, why are you buying a Galaxy S3? But in many cases, a $0 GS3 is a better deal than a piece of crap HTC Desire 620 or 320 that was released last year. Yeah. but is under spec will never be updated to the latest version of Android Definitely. and is basically just a throwaway device from an OEM that is really bundling that product with their flagship. Yeah, like for so for example, for the past uh 2 weeks, week and a bit, I've been using the actually the 1M8 um because uh Hot just take. recently uh the the Lollipop update came out for it. Just got that thing pushed uh just earlier this week actually. Um, it is lovely. <laughs> it is significantly improved. Um, not only like it's it's desensing the phone, right? So yep. like the the less sense there, the better. But just the actual like uh, functionality improvements and like speed, like the touchscreen responsiveness and things like that, are so improved. Like so, if you can have you know last year's or the years before flagship, which is gonna get the optimizations and improvements to keep going. You're, it's that's way better than being stuck into a phone that could never really compete on that performance level in the first place just for like forty dollars off. And I think you know last year um, around around Christmas time as we were doing a lot of like our end of the year reviews and roundups on on the on the syrup that that was a a constant conversation we were having like comparing this phone which had uh, only ever intended to have a ceiling this high but had this price and. Uh, the older version of last year's flagship, which was here, but maybe slightly slower. It's it's that constant balancing act of you're not you're not comparing. Every, it's not a phone head to head. It's it's most it's like a this phone versus the field right. kind of scenario, for sure. Uh, so I mean, coming full circle, I think that's something to look about look at when you're buying a phone now. Is that you your carriers, if you're on a three year contract, has already likely reached out to you. 
and said, hey, if you want to, you know, we reported a couple of weeks ago that Rogers was texting some of their longtime customers and saying, hey, we'll give you a free gigabyte every month uh, to your existing plan uh, for, for the next 12 months. And that was done as a way to entice people not to leave because, yeah. hey, you have, you have an open field. You can go and look at other plans. But if you're getting a free gig on your uh, every month on your plan, then you're more likely to stay as a month-to-month customer until they can get you on a two-year contract again. Yeah. Sometimes that gig makes all the difference. I know I know having that extra gig would have probably saved me, uh, let's say, $300 in the past six months. Yeah. I, I'm actually like, so I used uh, 7.5 gigs last month. Um, and I think Rogers charges, I want to say, um, how much is it? $250, no, $15 per gigabyte. So I paid uh, twenty two fifty in overages. Like that's a. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently: Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. A lot of money. That's how much they they charge. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's not cheap. So... If you're really going to be using a lot of data, you might as well invest in a higher data plan. Now, that's another issue that I have, and I I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Um, You know, the carriers are very good at leading you towards a certain plan. But when you're looking at a Rogers Share Everything plan, for example, the one gigabyte plan or the the 500 megabyte plan, let's start with that, is 80 bucks a month. So it's 60 bucks a month Mm -hmm. for an unlimited calling texting plan plus $20 for 500 megs. Yep. Doubling the data costs $5 more. It's 85. Doubling that costs $5 more to 2 gigabytes. So when you're comparing an $80 500 meg plan to a $90 2 gig plan, I mean, where like what is the incentive to spend $80, right? They're really well, pushing I, you towards that deal. There are I think it's they, they are definitely trying to slide you in towards their kind of optimal positioning. Um, but there are also the extra benefit there is that there are people that are just like, I can't go beyond this monthly price. For so sure. If, if you don't, it, you, you get day. There are people like, I would like your cheapest, your cheapest uh, plan, just cheapest. I want to pay the least amount of money. And they're like, okay, and that's great for us because you're getting the least amount of value for it. But what they're what they're really doing is they're saying our unlimited plans because they they call them unlimited plans. Mm-hmm. Our unlimited plans start at eighty dollars. That is their biggest big ticket marketing package right there. They're allowed to say even though most of their customers will probably go with the ninety dollar plan. Telus did this with their seventy dollar. They they lowered the entry level of their uh, of their lowest price because they wanted to say our our share plan start at seventy dollars a month mm-hmm. but that only gave them 200 or 300 megabytes of data and yeah, 300 they, minutes did they eventually remove that like no rogers added it and then removed it so 
it was weird. Rogers added a $70 tier that had 250 megs um, and unlimited calling and texting, but then they canceled that because people were upset that 250 megs was too little yeah, for a share plan. Yeah, because update the apps on your phone once in a month, and that's your data. Like, right. That's that's Candy Crush. That's like Candy Crush. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 a little punitive, I agree. So TELUS now has this $70 plan um, where you can get you know get a premium smartphone plus uh, unlimited calling or sorry 300 me- 300 minutes per month of local daytime minutes um, and then 300 megs for 70 bucks which is really very little um, but five dollars more gets you 750 megs five hundred five dollars more than that gets you 1.5 megs a uh, gigs mm-hmm. so I mean clearly these carriers are pushing you towards a certain price tier. But that's the reality that many Canadians face right now is that they had, you know, arguably cheaper plans that were, you know, had disparate portions. Like you would pay for you would pay twenty five dollars for, uh, you know, two hundred minutes, and then you would buy a value pack that gave you, you know, twenty five hundred text messages and ten voicemails and call display and call waiting, and then you would buy a data uh, data add on on top of that, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. when you canceled, you would have to cancel your your voice and data separately, and you'd be charged early cancellation fees separately for those two things. Yeah, and now we now we have unlimited plans that are unlimited in every way, other than the thing that people actually want, which is the data. Yeah, is I mean, so we're you know, or not, going, I, not sorry, necessarily actually want because I'm one of those people now that you know needs unlimited phone calling, but in terms of like the day to day need, it's 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 data, man. Data is the thing. So a lot of the um, so the the flanker brands, Kudo, Fido, and Virgin, have launched pretty good. I said compelling because compared to what's offered on the the bigger brands, they are compelling. Uh, unlimited plans if you bring your own device. There's a forty five dollar one gigabyte plan. There is a fifty five dollar two gigabyte plan and a sixty five dollar three gigabyte plan. Now sixty five dollars. Um, for unlimited Canada-wide minutes, unlimited uh, texts and call display voicemail, and three gigs of data. It doesn't seem like a great deal, but in today's market, it is a pretty fantastic deal, especially if you do bring your own phone and you have a good one, uh, like the you know, OnePlus One or the Asus next, uh, Zenfone 2. Yeah, it's it, it's again. It's always in that context of like in today's market. But um, actually, one thing that we didn't talk about. I don't know if you want to get into this or just keep moving on. Talk about um, some of the things you've seen in the past few weeks. Now that you're on that um, the share everything plan, uh, I know your your lovely fiance walked into the the screen uh, about 20 minutes ago. Uh, shout outs, fiance. Uh, are you are you comboing up are you voltroning together to enhance your savings or are you solo uh not yet i because i don't know we first of all we're on two different carriers right now and we've talked about you know going over to one or the other um i still think that rogers has a slight edge when it comes to uh network performance in toronto um, that's diminishing because Bell has really invested quite heavily in its 700 megahertz um, spectrum. But yeah, more... and go, everyone go read Daniel's crazy uh, in-depth piece on that process if you haven't yet. If you want to learn anything about how information hits your phone from 
the ether. Yeah, it's it's very cool, and and Bell's done a great job. And I mean, Bell and Telus are practically one network, so you're comparing Bell and Telus to Rogers. So the the other thing to take away is that Rogers still has the most spectrum, but it's not necessarily the uh, the the best carrier for every part of Canada anymore. Um, PC Mag did a cross Canada performance test last year and they determined that bell actually is the best carrier in canada because it has better upload speeds in most parts parts of the country and it also has lower latency in most parts of the country whereas rogers mostly emphasizes their download speeds which don't really affect you that much in day-to-day work in day-to-day use because everything on mobile is so compressed uh and in smaller chunks that you don't need sustained you know, 200 gigabit or 200 megabit speeds uh, in most parts of the country. It's mostly it's it's mostly mega uh, m- more marketing. But anyway, I mean, you're not going to have a bad network experience on any Canadian carrier, pretty much. It's, it's really, are you an Argos fan? Because if you are, you know what carrier to choose. Update me. I'm not an Argos fan. So what oh, happened? Be- uh, MLSE bought uh, the Argos. But only the bell part of MLSE. Okay. Which is so weird. Um, also, apparently, the Leafs have a new coach. There's a lot of sportsing you've been missing. No, um, I, I know about the Babcock signing. Um, I'm, I'm very familiar with the... I mean, I've, I've mostly just been, like, inhaling amazing basketball. Like, you and I have not talked about basketball in way too long. We yeah. could have our own basketball podcast, but... Yeah, sports has been sportsing. Oh, so good. Stephen Curry is, and I mean, like James Harden must be going to sleep at night, just just crying at how close everything crying, is getting. Crying into his beard. But that that being said, okay, uh, we're filming this on a Saturday. You know, uh, they've lost their first two away games. It really, when you play your home playoff games, that's what it matters. Because if they win yeah. their two at home, series is tied. But fair. Uh, I mean, fair enough, right? Like. Uh, Golden State has not lo- they lost like three home games all season or two home games and like one playoff game all season uh, I I think the Cleveland series is going to be a sweep uh, I just don't see Atlanta stepping up they had like no players right now they're all they're all injured or dead or arrested or leg broken well so so does Cleveland they have no players either uh, but, except for that guy named LeBron right I mean so. the, like the fact that Kyrie Irvin did not play last night and they still like soundly beat Atlanta is proof enough that you basically just need LeBron to to win a game. But um, I don't know. I mean, n- not a single Atlanta player got higher than fifteen points. That's kind of kind of sad to me. Anyway, we digress. Um, that brief sports segment brought to you by Bell. Uh, yeah, sort of indirectly by Bell. Um, so l- let's talk about what's coming up. Uh, two big developer conferences in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Thursday, Friday next week is Google I.O. Then two weeks after that is Worldwide Developer Conference, uh, which will feature Apple's new iOS 9 and OS X, I guess, 10.11, um, named after another beautiful part of California. iOS 9, let's start there. Tar pits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> iOS 9 is uh Mark Gurman's been like giving the 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 hot leaks of um what's happening with with the Apple 
What? Oh, you you just muted. Oh. Uh, Mark Hotleaks German is that Hotleaks German is uh, probably not the name he wants to associate himself with. Uh, yeah, dude's been dude's been on fire recently, but. Basically, what's what's being surmised is that iOS 9 is not going to be heavy on new features. It's mostly going to be heavy on stability and performance improvements, especially for devices that are uh, that are aging on the A5 chip. That includes the iPad mini, the original, the iPad 2, which is like three years old now. Um, iPhone 5? No, it's four years old. And the iPhone 5, which is getting up there it's three years old but it's still you know a decent device uh so the big takeaway here is that apple is no longer going to be building a single version of ios and then chopping off features that don't work for the the, for the chips that uh um are, are getting up there in age like the a5 and the a6 what they're doing is they're building separate builds separate versions of ios specifically tailored to the older devices. Yeah. They're acting like a responsible technology company. Right, exactly. And what that means is that devices like the iPhone 4S, the iPhone 5, the iPad 2, the iPad mini are not going to stutter and die with the newer versions of iOS like previous years. Uh, we don't know for sure, but that's a huge step in the right direction, especially since Apple seems to be the only company really investing in its older platform, its older hardware. Um, you know, Samsung, HTC, Samsung's been doing a fantastic job keeping their devices up to date, HTC as well. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's sporadic. You never know what a device is going to, you know, how a device is going to perform when it comes to uh, their older, their older device. Uh, yeah. Well, there, there's two things here. There's, there's um, phones that get updated to newer versions of software and cramming that to make it work. And actually having different um, branches or builds specifically designed to run on older hardware at a high performance level. Right. Um, I think the latter approach is the more significant one. Because we, we live in a culture right now where everyone expects to replace their technology every three years. <laughs> at, the, like at, the, at the outer edges. And to, when... I was just thinking the other day of... Uh, can't remember what it was, but just like the idea of that every tool that we use has to be replaced. Whereas like uh, a radio, like a, just a transistor radio, just it it does a thing, and it will continue to do that thing until it breaks. Right. Right. Whereas we are in this world of like phones which do the same thing over and over, but with more or less capacity that have to be constantly replaced. And I think that's just not sustainable globally, especially as you know. The, what two two billion more people in the next five years are going to be kind of onboarded to mobile tech and smartphones? Like, it's we we need a plan for that. And in many ways, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the recycling efforts undertaken in developed countries end up going towards those developing nations. So you know, you have um, you know, there, there's sort of a bifurcation between. Uh, a company from like China and India that develop homegrown smartphones for their uh, for their particular um, you know com- country's needs, um, and then there's a lot of reselling of older devices for for those developing markets. Um, yeah. But they're they're all resource intensive. All of those undertakings <laughs> are are extremely resource intensive. Well, also part of this is like you know as 
um, OS platforms gave up control of all the applications and services that it provide to like the third party network as app stores became a thing it's it's no longer something that Google or an Apple can control to have people like Facebook and Twitter and all the third party makers actually not only work on supporting older versions but making low end versions of their services work on older phones where uh, nowadays it's simply a matter of like they just they just cut it off they just force you to update to this and if you can't update to that you can no longer use it where you know where you see um, people with older iPhones have adopted this process of oh I'll just I just never update iOS because if I never update iOS I get I can never update any of my apps but the versions that I have are still forced to work because they're running and unless they like kind of force push me to update I can stay in this experience that the developers are just like ah we just don't want to support this anymore we don't want to support this anymore we we uh, we we cut it off so I think that 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 has to be a, a cofactor for for this stuff to be useful but I I'm, I'm glad that Apple's taking time to now that they have you know three major tech platforms to 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 clean up the 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 underwire and the structure because they're going to all need to have to start working together better. Yeah, I mean that that's a huge huge topic, a, a, a serious. I mean that that could be a topic for its own podcast. Um, what I'm what I'm getting from that though is you know there are there are several sort of platform layers that we have to deal with, right? Like Apple has its underlying OS layer. And then companies like Facebook that, you know, develop apps that almost every single user downloads, mm -hmm. they have to choose, okay, are we developing apps, are we developing a single app that can run on every supported version? Or are we developing a separate version for each uh, OS, right? Because Apple doesn't allow you to specify a phone or tablet version that's, that is supported uh, on on its uh, app store. So you can't say this app only works with the iPhone five and up. Mm -hmm. What they do is they only have it supported with um, uh, the, the certain OS version. So they'll say this app is designed to work with iOS eight or iOS seven or iOS yeah. six. And so th that has been an amazing benefit to developers just in the idea when you talk about uh, development fragmentation, it's something that you see, you know, as much as I've been enjoying the updated uh, Lollipop 1M8, the Android apps are still a little hit or miss where it's just like, this just feels like it's it's not built for this phone, you know? Well, um, it's, it's because it's built for every phone. Yeah. Um, so the, 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 the benefit that uh, iOS developers have always had is they know exactly um, the feature set and the APIs that they can build for, can target that. And if your if your older phone that updated to that version of the OS gives you a crappy experience, they know that you're gonna that you are probably gonna buy just a newer iPhone. That's 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 the that force push to get you to update. Um, so it's like it's it makes it easier for developers. We've gotten um, better iOS app experiences at the high end, but then at the low end, if you're just like, oh man, I just got this, I just got this 4S or this 5 for zero dollars. And it's, why is it so slow? Why is it crashing all of a sudden? It's like, well, because it really couldn't run that 
OS version, and it definitely can't run those apps that are baseline for that OS, but really need this year's model for the processing. Right. So, I mean, what, what's what's interesting is I'm looking at davidsmith.org, and he has a, a an updated tally of um, iOS versions. He he hosts he uh, makes a, a bunch of popular free apps for uh, the iPhone and iPad. And what he's seeing as of yesterday or as of today is 76.1% of iPhones are running iOS 8. Okay, so that's the latest version. 21.1% uh, are running iOS 7. Only 2.6% are running 6 and below. So what that tells me is that Apple has basically allowed developers to cut off older versions of iOS fairly safely. Um, and many popular apps like Overcast, uh, Marco Arment's uh, podcast app, uh, only support iOS 8. Many uh, larger companies like Facebook can't afford to cut off people no. running just the latest version of iOS, but they can make it a better experience on the latest version of, mm-hmm. of iOS. So yeah. um, whereas on Android, you have a completely different experience where the updated version of Lollipop is only running on like 10% of devices. So even though, you know, the last three or four versions of Android make up a majority of users, it's still not possible to target the latest version of Android specifically yeah because then or, you're you know it's to, to have a benefit and this is this is again like the everything stems from the operational structure and the mindset of the kind of founding partners for these platforms right apple creates these very strong specific limitations or parameters and then from that the simplicity creates opportunities right you know Google and Android being kind of not necessarily open in the sense of being like an uncontrolled platform, but in in allowing so many mul- like multiple parameters and and participants creates uh, a wonderful rainbow of specific opportunities, but no real common experience. Well, I mean, so I, I would have said that's true two years ago. But what what material design has allowed developers to do mm-hmm. is create a baseline um, aesthetic for its apps and then build features that uh, feel or work best on certain versions. So I'm looking at the Android developer console right now. Jelly Bean makes up uh, thirty four for about forty percent of uh, of Android uh, total. KitKat makes up 40% total, and Lollipop makes up about 10%. And the rest are uh, gingerbread and ice cream sandwich would make up just about 10% as well. So yeah. we have a situation here where it's fairly safe to cut off gingerbread. Uh, you can target just ice cream sandwich and above. It's still very safe to target jelly bean and above because you're still looking at 90% of the, of the accessible market here. Right, so ninety percent—that's a—that's higher than iOS uh, eight, right? Um, and even though there are thousands of new APIs available to you know KitKat and and Lollipop, the experience on Jelly Bean and above is still fairly robust because Google's done a good job at being able to update Google Play services behind the scenes and push out new features without making 
manufacturers update the underlying OS version. Yeah, so it's not you're getting yeah you're getting the 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 plumbing the plumbing works even if the the OS is still doing the same thing. But the, I mean that being said, I take my Nexus Six you know out every couple of weeks just to see what's going on with the latest version of of Android, and I uh, Android five point one point one or Android five point one on the Nexus Six is like astonishingly faster than anything else yeah. out there. Like it is yeah. so much better an experience than even Android 5.1 on the LG G4 or Android 5.0.2 on the uh, Galaxy S6. Uh, you know, arguably much faster yeah. phones internally. No, no. But Nexus just is, it just feels like a more cohesive experience. To- well, it's because it is, because it has that, it is the... In in a, in a world of kind of like floating floating point options, it is that that flagship scenario, right? So you know what I was saying before, and I know it's, I was, I'm painting in broad brush strokes, and with material design, some things have changed, but it's 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 only changed for still that certain segment, not across the board. So you still right. the Android experience still isn't the Nexus experience; it is all those experiences. So you have this scenario where it's like. Okay, it really sucks that my Andro- my iPhone 4S or my 5, like, it just can't play with the wonderful iPhone experience the new iPhones have. But the counterpoint to that is, like, Android, really, <laughs> 5.1.1 works great on this phone. It's yeah. like you're, you're targeting into point releases for a phone made by the platform operator versus you know, any OEM, all of their devices. Um, and I, I don't say that as a, as a criticism, but just as an awareness of how, like, um, I, I remember you asked me, like, hey, check out, go, go back to the 1M8, see what's going on with the, the updates. And the first update uh, I downloaded, which I assumed was a lollipop update just because it, it was the most recent available, but I think it was actually a pre-update to prep for that. Mm-hmm. Downloaded, installed it, um, it was like, this is still this is still so sensey i'm not really seeing much of anything and then a few days later the actual uh lollipop update came down and it was like you could feel the good google (laughs) pushing through yeah like just even like oh stacks cards notifications are not terrible this is i can oh look at this i can touch the screen and it knows that i'm pointing there um it's amazing how you know you're talking about that fluidity and speed like th- those make real differences in your overall perception of a phone. Android has become a lot better to use. Unequivocally, I really, whenever I go back to Android and use it for a long time, I'm like, this is a great experience for the most part. Mm-hmm. But then I feel like i'm missing something and i quickly realized that it's the apps it's not the os it's the fact that the equivalent apps on android don't feel as polished they don't get updated as frequently they don't have those many of them don't have the same features as the ios versions and i tangibly feel like i'm missing something useful I don't think I'm it's features. It. I, or sorry, I shouldn't say that. I I don't notice a, a feature gap as much. 
it just feels junkier. Like I, I, and I, it's it that's, you know, we're failing as you know tech journalists in in not describing that, but like le- legitimately, just even using like, even just Twitter and Facebook, just two examples of like, the, in Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, let's say most common apps that everyone use. Um, it just, I'm like, is this what the Android experiences for like the pinnacle apps where it's just like this doesn't feel as it's just not as exciting or not as fluid or like why is this still loading with the navigation is weird like why do i have to go uh you know why do i have to bread come breadcrumb my way back to to get to switch accounts things like that like this just isn't it's just like it's just it's just simpler on Mm. ios it's simpler and it's i i think that if you were to talk to any of those platforms about or the the developers about which app they would demonstrate as like this is the the closest version to our idea of how we want our service to work i'm i'm assuming that they would more likely than not choose the ios version that being said there's so many things happening on android at the the os level uh at like the system level in terms of the controls Mm -hmm. um that i just i just love Mm -hmm. just the way that the notifications uh, stack in some ways that I can um, pull down to, to grab the more detail. I can like hold on the no- notifications to like change my notification settings from that screen um, to not go into like all the things that Apple doesn't care about in terms of like its platform settings because they're just like this is how it's going to be. This is what it is. Just don't change it. Um, I, I really enjoy as I as I get to know that more. But so we we talked about um, new version of iOS and how it's going to be kind of like cleanup optimization work. Probably setting up a lot of like cross scaffolding stuff for like say iOS 10 to really like integrate uh, Android M. What you know, other than like being a, a where Magneto and his mutants hang out on Android M. Uh, what what do you expect this to be? Because we're we're reaching this point where we're hitting the the wall of the current generation of what mobile can do. And we need to start getting into the future generation, which is the multiple mobile touch points working together. Like we need, we need the big data. We need the machine learning. We need it's OSs can't just be app launchers anymore. They have to be smarter than that. Yeah. So how does that play out? Well, let's. I mean, let's to to talk about the future. Let's let's go back uh, to 2014. Let's let's look at what Android. L <laughs> insert sound effects here uh, if we had a producer um, so you know let's look at Android L so for the first time in, in, in Android's history they launched a public beta of a new version mm-hmm. complete with a brand new uh, aesthetic it, like it, it, it uh, introduced material design biggest refresh of Android since ever I guess uh, yeah. they introduced Android Auto Android TV uh, both of which have not really done a whole lot, but have existed as standalone versions fairly successfully. They made it easy to create with Material Design and with the new uh, uh, Android SDK apps that scale properly to every screen size. Mm-hmm. They made it easy to create Android Wear apps. Uh, they debuted uh, two watches, three watches. The Moto 360 came later, but they deve- they they debuted the 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 Gear S or sorry the the Gear Live and the LG G Watch. You know, Android Wear has come a long way in the last year. 
it recently just got an update to 5.1.1 that we'll take a, a, a big look at uh, in, the, in a review in, in, in an upcoming segment. So they did a lot, and they've done a lot since, but Android 5 as a Android L Lollipop as a standalone version has sort of not been that uh, stable, I want to say. Not been that uh, reliable. It's been very buggy. It's been... It, it, it bit off a little bit more than it could chew, and I think it was true of iOS 8 as well. But I think M is going to be a cleaning up of Android L, and it'll be one of those uh one of those releases that focuses on the enterprise there's going to be a huge business focus this year as android tries to take on ios and blackberry um from a you know security perspective but i i just i think there are going to be very tangible improvements like uh like what they did with android 4.3 they added a bluetooth low energy stack to make it really easy for accessory manufacturers to add um you know like like jawbone and stuff mm-hmm. to add uh you know really reliable bluetooth functionality they'll do the same for fingerprints um with a a new underlying fingerprint sensor api um they're going to make more improvements to the camera i hope and overall i just think that they're going to clean up a lot of the craft left over from android l Okay, so then what you're saying is for both of the major phone platforms, it's probably a really good time to hold on to this this year's model or last year's model of phone because it is unlikely that a new phone is going to be coming with, like, you're not going to need a new phone to run the new features. Your, your current phone's going to get a lot nicer to use. Yeah, I don't... I mean, this is the reality of smartphone platforms right now anyway, is that they've reached a plateau of, in many ways, of new features. They're going to be rolling out things um, slower as as it matures. And, I mean, we've heard that Android is going to debut on an, an Internet of Things operating system. So I think, as it has for many years, Android is going to be less about the smartphone screen and more about the every screen mm-hmm. everywhere else in your life because android is already pretty good on your smartphone yeah and and you know google just considers smartphones to really be another screen yeah i mean they have to right so we'll i mean we'll, we're going to try to to get a podcast up next week from the show floor at Moscone Center in San Francisco uh not sure how well it's going to go considering the internet there is usually fairly unreliable but we'll figure it out we should just uh write down our thoughts on pieces of paper take photos of them and then make like a keynote presentation to just play <laughs> and upload that yeah it's been done it's been done i've seen i've seen pretty good ones of that we'll make we'll a stop it, motion we'll send our ravens yeah stop motion podcast um well i think i think that's it for this week Let's get out there and enjoy our Saturday, why don't we? <laughs> There's no... nothing. I'm literally no. going right into a spreadsheet after this. Oh, amazing. Okay, well, yeah. I'm not. Uh, yeah, if, if you survive Google I.O. and I survive uh, BetaKit's own IPO, then maybe we can get together and pod again. Yeah, I, I may see you again this year. Yeah. yeah. I may. 
Well, everybody, thank you for listening. It's been a pleasure having you. Uh, as always, my name is Daniel Bader, at JourneyDan mm-hmm. on Twitter, uh, plus Daniel Bader on Google+, Plus. I think. Uh, where can people find you, Douglas? Uh, at Tron, at Tron, at Tron, and uh, BetaKit.com. Uh, when you're loving this podcast and reviewing it five stars on iTunes uh, or leaving a comment in the... Uh, on the post or maybe in the mobile syrup community because that's the hot new thing that everyone's doing my god yeah uh why don't you let us know what you want and are expecting from the 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 major platform updates and developer conferences coming up and do you want more hot sports takes because i swear we both have them oh yeah well i have i have it for maybe three sports i don't i don't know but um <laughs> Uh, I'm also going to make a small shout out to a new podcast that I launched with Eric Lehman. You may have seen him on the uh, on the Apple Watch focused syrup cast a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we have launched an Apple podcast uh, called Fresh Fruit. You can find that on iTunes uh, and your uh, local podcast listener. Um, and that's it. It's a great podcast. Uh, it's going to be a weekly show focusing on Apple news reviews and hot takes tips and tricks everything else that you will love from a uh, canadian perspective uh that will hopefully take some of the onus off uh, syrupcast to focus on apple because i know a lot of people don't love us talking about apple entirely on this show all we talked about was android today well no i mean we talked about everything and i think that's that's kind of what people want from the syrupcast so if you're looking for a specific apple focused uh take Listen to Fresh Fruit with me and Eric Lehman. That's it for the show today. Thank you again, and we will see you next week. Shoutouts. Saskatchewan. Ottawa. None of it. Yellowknife? I don't know. I didn't have a good one. (laughs) As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.